Dear Shooter, so you want to get into 3-Gun, but you are nervous. Or maybe you don't know where to start. Seriously, how much stuff do you need? Today we have someone here to help you sort out your baggage. Of course I'm happy. I'm just checking because I'm like getting the stink eye here. Go do your thing. But get good at your craft first. And put your budget to things that really matter to you today. You want to get good at it. And make no mistake about it, that's training. Let's face it, if you have a size 62 waist, you are not as tactical as 5'11 might think you are. <laughs> and we've all seen it. Wow, feel the love. There it is. And <laughs> Chad's in. With all of the sensibilities of the <laughs> Welcome to the Deer Shooter Podcast. I am your host, Jason Crotto. Deer Shooter is brought to you by WyoTac, Empowerment Through Self-Reliance, and Lucid Optics, on target, under budget. So I guess that brings us to our guest. We're, we're here with Andrew Sparks today and uh, talking about all things three-gun with, with a three-gun master and apparently a master of tactical Tetris. You could say that. <laughs> master, jack, jack of all, slight master of some. Well, yeah, I think I think we all qualify as that. So, Andrew, thanks for being with us today. We wanted to talk about three gun, and as far as I'm concerned, between you and Caitlin, you guys are like the experts. Oh, I wouldn't say experts, but I've I've put my ears in. I've I've done the wrongs. I've done the rights, and. I've done uh, how much can I spend to get better? Well, that's all you can do. I guess to get started here, what what advice would you give to somebody who's just looking to start out? You know, what are the pitfalls? Where where do they look to get started and 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 who would they want to look to for a mentor or someone to follow? And get the ugly jersey. <laughs> I, I, mine are blue. I think uh, your other counterpart would uh, disagree with you that mine are pretty. But <laughs> Besides the point, uh, really the best way I, you know, to get started is just, it, it's kind of difficult, but you just meet someone that's in it. You know, for me, it was, you know, my mentor and my best friend, Matt, who, you know, owns a gun and pawn store and, you know, his life is all about racing, be it cars, guns, running. I mean, you know, if it involves going fast and risk, he's on it and you know a lot of gun shops have employees or uh, patrons that are into the competitive shooting you know it's not just really just the three gun but you know as soon as you get into a pistol match you're going to run into someone who's going to shoot three gun right right and they will be the most obvious because our first comment is i'm just here to practice pistol for three gun (laughs) and Everybody else will be just giving us a look at death the rest of the day. Jeez, and here I thought three gun was just a shotgun reloading match. Yeah. Hashtag, you know, open. <laughs> so how long? You how long have you 20. been? How long have you been shooting three gun? Uh, I am going, coming to the end of my actual. Now I'm on on my eighth year now. So a little while though. So, yeah, since about 2015, I believe. 2015, 2016 in there. Uh, too much gunpowder inhaled equals lost memory sometimes. 
So you're you're pretty good friends with Caitlin too, and I think you guys have both shot together, haven't you? Yeah, she actually Caitlin lives I think about forty minutes from me, up in uh you know, up by Lucas Ranch, so she actually has access to one of the best and biggest facilities in the area when they were doing the matches. Well, if she's ever home. So with all the soccer mom buses and all the baggage you carry, if you were to start, what do you really need? I mean, you don't need all the toys, do you? No, and that's actually the biggest thing that keeps me and most of the guys I compete with in the industry or in the sport, in the industry, is you can show up with literally nothing but have enough interest in doing it. And you can be on my squad and you're going to get the joy because you're going to get to shoot a $4,000 rifle that was specifically hand-picked part by part. And I'm probably going to give you the ammo to do it. Well, that's better than and, the last USPSA match I was at where we built a Glock out of the back of a trunk to spare parts. Didn't that say Lego on it? I think it does. I mean, I, I our dogs are Glock certified armor, so that was pretty easy. But it, it shot the match and ran it, and, and the guy actually plays fairly well. Well, like I said, that's one of the best things in not just three-gun, but any competitive shooting. 98% of the competitors are just there to have fun. They'll treat you like family, and they want everybody to have a good time. Uh, it's kind of a universal theme from all the competitors that we've talked to and, and even the comp- the competitions that we go to. That, that That's a that's pretty universal uh, across the spectrum in the shooting sports. It is. I mean, I've, I've, I've encountered that 2%. You know, I mean, I RO, have RO'd for several years for the Missouri Three-Gun Championship. You know, I've traveled out of state to work as an RO for major matches. Um, I've worked as a CRO for major matches. And I, I've seen that 2%. And it's not hard to ignore because they stand out. And it just, even new people there can look over and go, you know, that guy's an ass. I really don't want to be over there with him. I'm going to go over here where these guys are laughing. They usually roll in Which, with a jacked up Dodge diesel. Well, at least you didn't say Nissan. <laughs> but it's, that's actually one of my earliest memories of Three Gun was Missouri Three Gun Championship. I was walking stages and, you know, getting ready for to shoot as an RO and I walked down into the trees on a big old cable spindle and, uh, you know, taking a break. It's, you know, it's Missouri, it's March. It's like 90 degrees. Yeah. Day before it was 32. So, you know, it's a little hot. I didn't dress appropriate and I kick back on the spindle in the shade and someone comes up and joins me and I look over and I'm just, I'm staring at the goat. You know, I got old Jerry Mitchellick sitting right next to me. And I think we probably spent two hours of our day sitting in the shade on this spindle, just talking about nothing in general. Right. And, I mean, we're talking about the guy that has won, what was it, last time I knew the count, 21 out of 22 i championships. You know, won almost every championship in the country for three-gun, for pistol, you know, Ipsic world shoots. And he just sits there on the spool and, We'll shoot, you know, just shoot the shit with you for like it was nothing. No, and those are the guys that you want to run into, and and you you, and guys like that, we we know quite a few of them in the industry, and and every one of them just heart of gold, 
they just want to be a part of it and they they want to bring as many people into it as they can their egos out of it and and i think that's the big thing you get the guys that that are so invested in it from an ego standpoint they take all the fun out of it and and they they do i mean i'll, I'll keep names of people out of that one because i know quite a few of them but you know that they, they are there and that's like i said they stand out like the sore thumb and people can pretty quickly identify who they are and they kind of you know, step away from them for the most part. So say I'm a beginner three gun, which I'm not because I can't shoot a shotgun. But if I were and I was looking, what is what is the words in the matches like? What matches would you recommend someone starting with? There's so many different names for places and all this. You don't know where to start. Some of them have chosen people to be there and some of them are open. And, and how do you know this when you go search them out? As, you know, like as far as the gear that you would like, you want to get into running or? Or just, just to sign up, say I have I have enough gear to do a match, but I don't know where to start to sign up. Uh, well, I mean, really the easiest way to, to f- discover it solo, I guess is how I could say that, is, you know, using the, it's called practice score online almost every major and almost every club in the country for the most part use practice score and it's a free website. You create your account, log in, you can put in your zip code and put in matches within a hundred miles and break it down by type of match. And it'll give you a list for months on what you can go to. I mean, I'm signed up for the monthlies in my area for the next eight months. Now, are there ones that say beginners, or is there anything that, you know, you know, you'd feel more comfortable starting in, you know, put that pinky toe in? I, for I'm, me, it was kind of a heads-on jump in. Really, I kind of look at it as almost on a cost basis. You know, if you're looking at a match and it's $25 as the entry fee, you know, 99% positive, it's going to be a club match. You know, it's not going to be a big deal. You can show up, ask questions. You know, if you're looking at a match that's $250, $350, unless you're all out or nothing, you probably don't want to sign up for that because you're going to go in, you're liable to walk into something that you just were not ready for. Right. And that that's real similar to the match I threw you into in Laramie. Local club match, they do them once a month. Um, you know, eight-stage three quarters of the day 30 bucks to get in and you got to go have fun and ask questions and and you had people spotting your shots for you and helping you make corrections and fixing things and uh, along the way whereas like when i go to like these elr matches and stuff you don't get that yeah and that's that's one thing i that i love mainly with like outlaw three gun you know it's a headache because this range and the next range and the next range all use a different rule set, you know, as far as round capacity, you know, what you can or cannot do, you know, if you can use a, a 50 or a 60 round drum on your AR and tack ops versus, you know, open, you know, it, it's hard to follow that and it does create confusion, but even in major matches, you know, 
I've got people like uh, Jay Carrillo, you know, Matt Fox, Kirk Broyles have stood there afterwards and been like, hey, you know, pay attention here when you did this and then we'll look at my video and they'll point it out and like, hey, you know, right there, you cost yourself like, you know, three quarters of a second because you, you stepped off. You know, you missed your mark. Right. You know, now that, that obviously in a major, they can't tell me that, you know, while I'm shooting because that, that is unsportsman but they're always there to correct me or point out something that could have been better. See, and this is why I shoot long range. You're talking about, you know, you, you, you suffered three quarters of a second. You know what? I get to lay down and shoot. Oh, I get to lay down and shoot or hang upside down or I have, I have one 10 minutes from my house that you would love to experience spin in a circle and shoot Oof. while strapped to a chair. No, I'm good. I'll just I'll just lay down. Fat kid likes cheesecake too much. Yeah, I'm, I'll have to pull and find that video and uh, send it to you later. It'll change your mind. Uh, I, I'm that sure was... I would because I I always like the the boat stages where you're you're on the platform suspended by chains and moving. What what maybe the hardest match that you've ever shot? You know, I think the hardest match I've ever shot is is the matches that I've never completed. I mean, I, it. And it's not, you know, not hard skill wise. It's hard, you know, mentally. You know, I've I've had three matches in my career that I have not completed. Right. You know, first time I've got ahead of myself and I broke a a very major rule. I broke a safety rule and broke the 180 degree. And you know, thankfully it was as an RO shooting, but there was people resetting off to my right and they just happen to walk right up next to a target and for a split second i put them at the end of my muzzle and pulled away and it's just like you know i knew i was done right you know that those matches to me are the hardest because i know that i myself did something wrong and it wasn't that i was challenged it was just that i failed at that point Mm -hmm. to be fair though and I think anybody that's competed for any amount of time, they have that match or they have something happen somewhere where they don't finish a match, they don't finish a stage, something happens, whatever. You walk away from it, and okay, fine, that match is just burnt, whatever. But you walk away from it, and those are the ones that you really learn from. And they are. And that's something that we've always said. It's not if, it's when. Right. You know, not if you ever disqualify or break that safety rule. It's when. No matter no matter how professional, how trained you are, you're always at risk of breaking that that plane and doing something wrong. Well and you and, and you're, it's a it's a hard pill. Right. And you're dealing with a sport where everybody's pushing to the razor's edge to try and cut those seconds, quarter seconds. And when you're pushing that hard, that fast, stuff's bound to happen. Um, but I think it's a testament to the ROs, the match directors, and the competitors themselves that we really haven't seen any major accidents in three gun. No, and you're you're very correct. It's and that's part of the community is we're all responsible. You know, even if I'm at a, if I'm paid to shoot a match or sponsored into it, however the case is, I'm there. If I see a major 
safety violation while someone is shooting, I can stop it. I can call out stop and shut that stage down. Right. And put everybody else in a better place. Right. Whether or not they get disciplined for it or I get disciplined for doing it, you know, I can always, I have that ability to say, look, I saw this, you know, I, you know, where I'm standing, I clearly saw the end of their muzzle, you know, that's definitely a violation. I stopped it for safety. They can reshoot them or they can do what they have to do. But as a shooter, it still falls on you, whether you're working or not to be responsible for safety of everyone. Right. That's something we do in our classes and our philosophy on that. And we always tell our students, you know, look, I would rather you open your mouth and be wrong than shut up and be right. Yeah. We, you can start a shoot. You can start a stage over. Right. You can't. I'm not going to say you can't start a life over, but we don't want to start a life over. No. I mean, unfortunately, I've, I've actually been there, done that at a match. Thankfully, it was not a gun-related incident, but it kind of takes the wind out of your sails and takes your day away. Oh, absolutely. Any any kind of an injury, no matter how, what it's caused. I mean, we, we had uh, a couple of years ago at the range that we teach at, we actually had a guy go down with a heart attack. It had to be life lighted out. Um, now, obviously, it was there was no safety issues or anything. It was it was a health matter, but uh, that's still scary, and it kind of puts Paul over the rest of the day. Yeah, it's that was actually it was the same situation for me. I had a gentleman, Jack, uh, you know, the uh, range master at Lead Farm on my home range called out you know for a uh, real life which is you know a medical emergency shuts the entire range down and we turn around and that's where gentleman was having a heart attack yeah. and i was the first person with hands on him and you guys have discussed this in other podcasts you know it's podcast it's always you know do you have those gloves in there for an emergency you know do you have that blanket for the emergency if you have it you'll never need it but when you need it you'll never have it Oh, that's exactly it. And you know, and we got lucky that somebody that day had what we needed, and that was the AED. And now every range around this area has at least three of them. Pretty inexpensive insurance when you really look at it. It's very inexpensive. You know, I'm, I'm one person that will contest that because I can talk to that man to this day and know that he still gets to see his family. So let's switch gears but, a little bit here. Um, yeah, and, we're going Brandy's got a double squirrel here. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, let's 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 talk some fun talk here a little bit. Tell us about the gear that you run for three gun. I mean, I've switched through. We're not even going to talk a dollar amount because it'll probably get me crying. Um, you know, currently I shoot in open. I've been shooting open division for the last about two and a half years. Um, I switched to open when Rock Island Armory released their VR80, which was their evolution from the VR60, and it has actually taken three gun by storm. Right. Because it's, I can go buy it at the store even now for about seven hundred dollars, put another four to five in it, and have a competition ready gun. Right. I remember when that first came out, and that's exactly what it did too. It it shook up three gun. Oh, dude. It's always been, you know. Uh, you know, my, my good buddy, uh, buddies, the Logan Bills, you know, they built the MK 1919. You know, you're about $3,800 to have them customize that gun and turn it into a competition shotgun. Right. Or you go to Dissident and you drop, 
you know, four to $5,000 on a KL-12 and it's all done up and sent to you and then it's still a box bed, you've got to work through it. Right. You know, to be able to step into one for, you know, 1200 bucks and be ready to rock was a very good product by them. Right. Now they got that one and right. So, you know, yeah, just right enough that I own two and probably be buying a third. You know, I just, as of November, I actually just handpicked and built a brand new rifle. You know, I've been running the same one hard all these years. And it's like, you know, I want to let my baby get some rest. You know, I'm going to make her make it my backup gun. So I built myself a brand new ADM builder set, UIC builder set. You know, not, not the cheapest receiver sets. You know, I mean, I spent about $650 just for an upper, lower, and a forend. Right. But it has become the standard almost for three gun. But the more you turn your head and look, you see ADM product, you know, ADM rifles. And it's just, it's another thing that's taken the game by storm because it's 100% ambidextrous. When right. they say, oh, you're going to shoot left hand, you don't have to worry about doing some funky mag change. You've got everything to do it. Right. And I think that's really you important know? because we've always taught that we don't have a weak side. No, you have to, you know, especially if you're shooting in something tactical, like tactical games or, you know, in your line of business, you know, you don't have a weak side. Right. You know, you have to shoot both. So you keep talking about you're doing your own builds and stuff. Um, what's it take to get a sponsor? Get someone to sponsor you. Begging. Um, I'm gonna try to. You know, so I'm gonna try to answer this appropriately. <laughs> we have we, we have what we say it takes, you know, as, as a community. But you know, honestly, I, I think truly, it's not a matter of how good you are. You know, I mean, yes, you know, sponsors want to see you doing good. You know, they don't want someone that finishes dead last, obviously, every time. But if you finish, you know, right around the middle of the pack and you're personable and you can talk with people, if you know the products that you're using and you got, you know, that's what a lot of sponsors want to see. You know, everyone gets the the big idea that a professional shooter is someone like Jerry Mitchlick or or uh, uh, Lena Mitchlick, Kay or Josh Freilich, you know, Max Lagrandis. That's what people see when you say pro shooter. But that's not the definition of pro shooter that most people are. You know, they are the paid pros. You know, that is their career. The rest of us pros work a nine to five job or work a job five days a week, burn our vacation through the year and take time away from our families so we can go do this and compete and have that extended family. And it, it sucks and it costs you a lot of time. So what no, are you, I mean, so what are you running for a handgun? Uh, I am actually running, it would be the equivalent of a Rock Island Tac Ultra, like FS. Okay. Uh, mine is a TCM. It, I picked it up on a about an eight hundred dollar deal with two barrels, two calibers, and I think I shot about four rounds through it. And I took it down to uh, one of my sponsors, and yeah, that gun never came back out of that shop looking the same. <laughs> it's 
it's actually on its third evolution now of what it was. You know, I, I started with it in shooting TAC ops. You know, I just had, you know, standard, standard fancy stuff done. You know, I had slide, slide cuts done, lighten the slide, spring work, trigger, you know, following year I had it through a sponsor. My entire TAC ops set got uh, completely Dura coded and color matched and themed. You know, I was real excited about that. And then its last evolution, it turned into a full bore high-end race gun. I mean, tight, you know, three-inch titanium compensator, frame-mounted optics, custom barrel in it. You know, did the titanium nitriding treatments to slick everything up and you know keep it functional, let it get dirtier, but still run just as fast. Right. And there are people that tell me I need to upgrade and go to a full custom and they can't even run as fast as my gun can. Well, and see, and, and this is exactly what you're talking about. You're talking about your, your shotguns, your rifle, your, you know, your, your handgun that you've done all this work to and stuff. And I think that's where the, you know, somebody looking to get into it, that's where the intimidation comes in because they're like, look, I got a Glock 19. I got a, a stock AR. I've got a Benelli stock shotgun. Can I still do this? more than more than able to do it can can you do it at the top end competitive level i, I mean i'm not going to lie to you on that you're probably not yeah and that's where we're trying to get we want people to know like this is going to be a welcoming committee um if you get into this you can you can walk into it with stock equipment yeah you're probably not going to be in the top 10 but you're going to have fun you're going to make some really good friends and meet some really cool people that you're going to be able to hang out with for a lifetime. Oh yeah. And it, it, it doesn't stop after the match is done <laughs> by, by all means. No, the party's not over. Well, no, even, even at our club matches, you know, it's, you go to a club match, you go, you shoot, you have fun. Talk to the people afterwards. They usually will hang around 20, 30, three hours, but <laughs> someone's going to say, Hey, we're, you know, we're all going over here to go eat. Right. And yeah, you're a brave soul if you go out in public with us. Mm-hmm. I think it was the second annual JP PCC World Championships up in uh, Indiana. I went up there and I don't remember where we went to, but my buddy Adam Weber, you know, picked out this steakhouse and he's like, oh, it's right around the corner from this loft that, you know, 20 or 30 of us are staying at. He's like, well, let's go over here and eat. They sat us in the basement because we walked in and it was shirts and ties and fancy dresses and high heels. And we walked in in t-shirts and shorts. I, I will say, though, even being in the basement, that was probably one of the best 90-day dry-age ribeyes I had. Oh, I bet. And you're always starving after a match. Oh, man. But, you know, it, to, to express how nice of a restaurant this was. I ordered my steak, $95. Oof. I had to order the asparagus. I wanted to go with it separately, and it had no number next to it, but it was charged for. And I ordered my potatoes separately, no number charged. I was and getting nervous had, when there's no prices on the menu. You know, I don't indulge that often, so I said, oh, Sprint, you know, give me the 90-day, give me the asparagus, this, and I'll take an old-fashioned. Yeah, too old fashioned later, a nice meal. It was a it was a good time with friends and 
I was the butt of everyone's joke because I spent the most on my food. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that gets a little pricey. Oh, God. So a typical, so just to bring us back on track, a, a typical three-gun match, how many rounds are you shooting, you know, shotgun, rifle, pistol? Yeah, just average. Modern day, I would say, like, like current times, um, matches have adjusted quite a bit. Um, so if you go through 100 rounds of each, either you didn't hit your target very well, or it was on the heavier side. Okay, so it's not a huge ammo expense. Not like it used to be. I, I used to go to monthly matches where we would burn two to 300 rounds per gun. Okay. Um, they actually used to be considered some of the hardest monthly matches out there in the Midwest. I mean, people would drive three hours in the morning to show up and shoot. Right. Because it was almost like you were shooting a high-dollar major with difficulty. Right. And that's just how they ran it. But with, you know, ammo and time and money being the way it is now, they have, you know, all the matches have toned down and made it a little more dynamic. So it's, you know, you got more going on. You know, targets might be hidden a little better, spaced out a little farther, you know, difficult transition in there. But you still get time in there, but they've reduced round counts by half sometimes. Sure. And you're still shooting stages that, for us, on 150-second par time, some of us are still running, you know, 90 seconds. Right. And you're talking five stages, you know, you shoot 100 rounds per gun, so you might shoot 20 to, 20 to 30 rounds, give or take, on a stage. Okay. Because that's a, so, that's always another intimidation factor. Um, people look at it, it's like, okay, I, I I got the gear, but I can't afford to feed it, and especially if you're shooting and, three or four matches in a month. Yeah, and that that probably becomes the most prohibitive side of it is if you're in an area that's starved on munition, feeding feeding your guns is hard, and then you got to really focus and go, okay, you know, I've shot these four places. This one has challenged me the most, so I'm going to spend more of my ammunition and my time here because I'm being challenged the most. And that's where you're going to get better. Sure. Absolutely. Train what you suck at. Everything. (laughs) Not everything. You've been doing this for eight years, and and you've actually made quite a showing. We won't get into what kind of showing, maybe, but no, I've, I've had good showings. I mean... You know, I've, I've had, you know, especially since I've been shooting for companies like Starline Brass, Lucid Optics, you know, Sierra Bullets, you know, I, I, I know more about bullets in this game than most people do. Right. But I spend 50 to 60 hours a week making them. That helps. So it does. I mean, just a little bit. I might be a little one-sided, you know, a little biased on what bullets I think are the best. But I know when I can take and cover a three-shot grouping with a quarter at 300 yards, you're not going to change my mind. Right. And that's what I was saying is I've actually gone to major matches where I've had 300 fellow competitors, and I've shot a solid all-rifle stage 
and looked at the final results and I look and I'm sitting there inside the top 10 for that stage. Right. And people just ask, you know, well, what the hell did you do? How did you do that? Yeah, I, I didn't miss as much as you. <laughs> Good answer. <laughs> I mean, it, I, I've had stages where I've missed more than half the people there and still been in the top 10. Right. Because I just call it, I've, my mentor has worked hard with me to teach me to call my shot before it's halfway down the range. And when I, when I pull that trigger and I squeeze that round off, I want to know, no, send another one automatically. You missed. And I've been wrong. I've, I've double shot, you know, almost like I'm double tapping a piece of paper at 10 feet mm -hmm. because I immediately called it missed. And as I'm transitioning, all I can hear in the background is ting, ting. And it's like, okay, well, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> but I hit it twice, so they better call it. Right. But... You know, I would say, you know, as far as, you know, like we're talking about gear and stuff, you know, the biggest thing is, you you know, learning your gear that you're going to use. You know, you can always upgrade later, you know, take what you got, use it, upgrade later. But the biggest thing is learn what you have. Sure. And that you and know. that's really good advice because somebody that goes out and knows what their gear is going to do every time they press a trigger is going to be a lot better than somebody who's always fiddling with it and changing things and always making tweaks and 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 now they're they're constantly having to adjust. Yes. And I have been very bad about that where for the longest time almost every year at the start of the season I had to struggle with my rifle and getting it working because right. I was constantly tweaking and changing something. I'm playing with all the fancy weight fancy lightweight metals trying to get that cycle rate faster and that lower it rec recoil impulse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's part of the game when you start getting into that top 15%, you know, it's not just about skill. Now, now you are seriously getting into, you know, you, you need to tweak your gear to make it that much faster, right? You know, the faster you can put splits out, that's that much faster. You can clear a paper. Now, have you ever gotten gear and uh, didn't have time to play with it, so you took it to match and said, screw it, we're doing this live? Yes. <laughs> it was actually uh, right at the end of last year. Now, it wasn't a major or a club match. Um, I, you know, like I said, I got a lot of good friends around here that shoot three-gun with us, you know. They have property, they have their own target setups. And my buddy Bill said, Hey, we're doing a, a buddy three gun day. You know, we're all going over to his house and we're just going to shoot. He spent the whole week setting up a match at his place in the woods. And, you know, he's, he called it three gun, but I think it was like rifle and, oh, yeah, there might be some pistol and shotgun. But that, I showed up that morning at, you know, my friend's house with a brand new, you know, rifle. I got over $4,000 in parts sitting in my hand that's been assembled. I can build a rifle like no other. I go to set zero on it. Probably the worst thing you can do on the morning of a match is set zero when it's, you know, 20 degrees out. And the only thing my rifle will do is single shot. <laughs> that makes for a rough day. And, and it's just like, oh, my God. 
run in, tear it apart, check this, open up the gas port, clean out the gas block, open the gas block, put it back together, run outside, try to shoot it, and still single shots. I mean, I open that thing up full gas. You know, I mean, I'm, I'm talking the bolt carrier that weighs a third of the weight of a full mass or less. And I have the maximum amount of gas blowing through this thing. And it will not cycle. What, what do we always say here on Deer Shooter? Everything is better with lube. You know, and it's funny you say that. <laughs> because the last time that bolt carrier got touched, I had shot uh, Mission 22 up in Illinois. And my rifle ran flawless. I couldn't get the bolt carrier group because, oddly enough, Apparently, the whole world has spent $500 on a bolt carrier, and I can't find what I want, so I took the one out of my old rifle and went back to the aluminum and put the new fancy one in my new build, and it did not want to work. And my <laughs> buddy got a hold of it that the day after, and he's like, I don't know what your problem was. Worked fine for me. I was like, well, what did what, you do to it? What did you tweak? He said, I cleaned it. Right. He cleaned the bolt carrier group, and it ran fine. Maintenance is a thing. Well, taking your time, being thorough is is what I would say would be the thing. You know, do your maintenance, look it over, don't do anything half-assed. If you're going to do it, pay attention to what you're doing. Right. I did have that situation because I didn't pay attention to what was going on with my rifle. And it was just 20... I think 25,000 rounds on an aluminum bolt carrier, I had worn the thing plumb out. I should have already changed it. Right. I had neglected it. And I got to shoot an all-rifle stage at a major competition with 40 long-range shots with a bolt-action AR-15. <laughs> and for, now, those of the, for those that don't know, those are actually a thing. Um Wilson's oh, got a uh, six arc that's a that's a bolt action and an AR platform. There, there's a good one out there in Utah that makes them. Yep, Uinta. But yes, I'm actually looking at one for my Valkyrie. Yeah. Oh, but, they, they're oh, they're nice. Yeah, with a full semi bolt action AR-15. <laughs> so you're I California actually, compliant, right? Yes, <laughs> I actually completed that stage, almost forty shots, one for one and never missed and my final standing with my original time put me in the top 15. i mulliganed it had cleaned my rifle and gone back and used my mulligan to reshoot the whole thing i missed seven times and put myself in the top seven (laughs) so it's that's like i said that's one of those things where i put knowing your gear and knowing what to do with it makes that difference right you know, having it tuned in and dialed because when, you know, when shit hits the fan and you can't pull, but one shot at a time, you need that rifle to do everything it's going to do. And you and I would probably both agree. The last thing we would ever want to see in a combat situation is a full semi bolt action AR. Uh, it's kind of a club at that point. Yeah. That's why we can't, that's why we would carry a sidearm. <laughs> so like to kind of wrap this up, if if somebody's really looking to get into this, they're gonna want they're gonna want to find somebody who's already doing it. Um, invest in quality gear. You don't you don't got to go crazy with it to get started. 
um, and, yeah, and find your local matches. Yeah, I would say find your local matches. And, you know, none of us want to go to a steakhouse and watch people eat steak, which is kind of what we say about people going to watch three gun and not shoot. Right. You know, you wouldn't go to a steakhouse and watch someone eat. But if you're really not sure, go, you know, find that match, show up, meet people, talk to them. Chances are you're going to shoot something before the day is over. Right. You might just shoot one stage of the match, but you'll have one person give you a pistol. Another person will give you a shotgun. Another person will give you their rifle and you'll get one stage shot because we want you there. You know, we want our sport to grow. You know, we want the juniors. We want the seniors. We want the middle-aged. We want the midlife crisis person there. Hey, hey, hey. I'm feeling insulted now. Insulted only starts at five foot four and down. Yeah. <laughs> Watch it, buddy. Yeah, because you're you're taking the entire deer shooter crew here and you're pigeonholing every one of us. I can't help it. I'm the only one out of us that's over six foot. <laughs> Trust me, the first time that I met Jason at shot was a very difficult time. It's like I don't want to look down on him, but I have no option. And then it was several years later, I ran in, you know, I met up with him at NRA Indy. And it's just like, oh, yeah, I forgot. <laughs> and the short jokes are flying. So, so I will say, uh, as far as plans set, you know, for anyone that is listening to this, um, you know, I did just mention NRA. That is coming up next month. You know, I know it's kind of touch and go on, you know, who's supporting NRA right now, but. Um, I will say, if anyone listening to this is at the NRA convention next month, as plans stand right now, I should be there at the bo- at the booth for Sierra Bullets. So if you guys are listening, if you go to the convention and you got questions, you know, stop by, come see me. I would be more than happy to ha- you know help answer questions. And that's awesome. And if you guys are going to be there, take advantage of it. Unfortunately, we're not going to make it. Because we are having our friends of the NRA banquet that same weekend. I would say I'd skip and come join you, but it's too cold there. It's not going to be in, what, five weeks? Oh, my gosh. It's 40 degrees. It's like summer. We've gotten shorts out. Uh Uh-huh. You still have snow last I saw. Oh, we still have snow, but we consider that pre-irrigation. Any final words just for somebody getting started or just a shout out to anybody from our deer shooter listenership i mean honestly final words you know life's too short to be afraid to try something new you know be it going to a restaurant picking a new meal going to a gun store and picking a different caliber that you've never shot before has kind of scared you you know life's too short to be afraid of new you know get out there try the new stuff the worst case scenario you're not going to like it and you know you're not going to bite into it again well, we only regret the things that we don't do. That is right. Well, Andrew, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, sorry, Jason number two couldn't be here. Um, oh. But we will definitely have to get you back on. And thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week on Deer Shooters.